Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Ininko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah, well. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is IT. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews. With Tim I and Cal. Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library Rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy Farrell March in the building. I need y'all to make sure you subscribe and download to the podcast Library Rap. Hip hop interviews with your boy Tim Einenkel. You already know. If you never seen a dime hit, leaning over squares, base hits, completed diamond, right? Got it working. And as me and Claudia juggling bottle service, keep it behind the curtains. Ain't a Lenny or Ray Ray that can Writer journalist uh, William Ketchum tweeted out, quote, This new Sky Zoo album, The Mind of a Saint, which is wrapped from the perspective of Franklin Saint from Snowfall, is stunning. It's not just a bunch of fly punchlines or references to the show, but it conveys Franklin's emotions and covers the themes of the show as well with that sky zoo welcome to library rap the hip-hop interviews with tim Anico. thank you so much for being here what's up man good, good to get with you again so i want to turn to the you know the new project the mind of a saint uh which as you mentioned is you know rapping from perspective of the, one of the main characters franklin saint in uh in snowfall uh when did you come up with this concept like when did you know that this is what you wanted to do like you were watching the show and then it just hit you so it's kind of twofold right so I've got a friend uh, named Kerry Watkins, who is an exec with the Portland Trailblazers. And I met him uh, like five, six years ago, something like that on tour and in Portland. And, you know, he's a, you know, maybe mid forties guy, super cool guy, huge hip hop head. And he came to the show and had all my vinyl and, and we got cool from there. You know, he actually took me to the motor center where the Blazers play. And, you know, um, I was able to, you know, take a tour of, of, of the arena and sit at Dame's locker and take a flick and all that type of stuff. So we always kept in touch and, and we're um, really, really, we're really cool. You know, to this day, we're really cool. We keep in touch a lot, et cetera. And um, one day he texted me and he would text me continuously after this initial time. One day he texted me, he goes, Hey man, you know, one of his, his favorite projects is, um, Theo versus JJ. That's like top three Sky Zoo project for him. So he texts me, he goes, hey man, you got to do Theo versus JJ part two. You got to bring it back. You got to do Avon versus Franklin. 
And I was like, what? I'm not doing that, man. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, man, they don't even, they're not even in the same world, you know? Like, it's, it's the 80s, the 2000s, it's Baltimore, it's L.A. I was like, man, they don't even match. So we would always kind of joke with each other, and he would nudge me every once in a while and be like, yo, bro, I'm telling you, Avon versus Franklin, you got to do it. You got to do it. So, like, the fifth or sixth time he texted me with it, he was like, you got to do Avon versus Franklin, man. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that but you may have accidentally sparked another idea. You may have sparked another plug. So, uh, you know, when I, when I took that, I said, well, I'm not going to do Avon versus Franklin, but I think I'm going to do something with the Franklin element. And um, that turned into me rapping as Franklin for a whole album. You know, I took that idea and kind of flipped it and twisted it a little bit. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do Avon versus Franklin, but I'm going to do a whole project being, Franklin Saint. And then on the flip side, the other side of it was being a hip hop fan, being a hip hop guy, a lyricist and growing up on hip hop and everything. I'm a fan of all the quote unquote subgenres of hip hop. One of them being coke rap, you know, regardless of if I make this type of music or whatever, I'm, I'm a fan of it all. If it's dope, it's dope. So, you know, I'm a fan of coke rap as well. And I looked at what's going on in that subgenre. And it's just a lot of glorification for these kids. You know, it's a lot of kids out here. Everything is, you know, running it up and, you know, throwing coke on the yacht. And, you know, it's a big party, right? It's like, you know, I sell weight and we throwing coke in the and throwing keys in the air like footballs. And we throwing coke in the air like LeBron before the game with the powder. Like everything is just a big party. And I'm like, well, where's the other side of it? So that these kids know what this thing is really like. Because my friends who run around and, and do xyz they look at it like it's the worst job in the world it just pays really well right. you know so where's the side where you know a fiend beat you for 10 or 20 dollars and now you got to go find them where's the side where you got bad work you know the work was bad and now you stuck with that and you got beat out of you know 30 grand 40 grand or whatever it might be where's the side of uh you know you making all this money, but you living with your mom still and the cops kicking your mom's door when you're not home and find all the work upstairs. And now your mom's got to go to jail. Like, where's that? Because that really happens. Where's that at? To let these kids know these are the highs, but these are the lows, more importantly, you know, and some people did that. You know, of course, Jay did that. Reasonable doubt. Raekwon and Ghostface have done that. Griselda does a great job of that where they talk about the bad side of it they talk about getting locked up they talk about the the wars in the street and the things that they've suffered through you know but a lot of it a lot of these other people and not even specific just in general a lot of these other people it's just a big party and i was like man these kids are just seeing one side of this thing and and that's that's not a fair vision you're looking at something with one eye closed and that's not a fair vision and you know this music runs the world so if these kids are going to be sitting here idolizing this they need to know what all they're idolizing so that was the other side of it and i was like you know what i'm gonna do this and i got a friend another friend of mine he um my, my man valentine he's a big fan of the same type of music the same type of shows and all that and when we were talking about this and the fact that i might do it i was like still toying with the idea he was like yo you're the perfect person to do that because your music has always been educated. You've always come from this AP English side and you've always been this real intricate, deep layered lyricist. If you were to talk about that stuff, the way you talk about gentrification, the way you talk about 
black pride and black power and the plight of black people, dude, you would nail this. Like nobody would be able to see you when you do that. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. And and that's kind of how it all came together. Each track on this album represents. I, I you could you could hear with the production, but also through your your lyrics and even your cadence, the kind of the internal struggle Franklin Saint is going through on each right. track. And like you know, and and I have to say like the the track bodies, which is talking about every you know everyone who he's killed, right? Uh, it's right. not like a it's not a celebration to him. It's like you know you, you could you could hear that he he's trying to find justification in all of it. And he, and he's, right. and he, and, and at the end, you like, you know, he can't, he can't, no matter what, how he justifies what, why each person is dead, he still can't do right. it. Can you talk about the, that track bodies in particular? I mean, how, I mean, I mean, how, how, how with the music and with your vocals, how, how do you get that point across? Well, first off, the album is a lot of spoilers. So for you or anyone else who may not be as familiar with the show, yes. it's, it's, a, it's a lot. You got to pick your poison, right? Like if you're going to listen to the album first, just know I'm going to tell you a lot of stuff that happened in the show because the, the album as the album is as, you know, if the show was real life. So we're right. talking about it. Like, oh man, you didn't know I went to the store on that day? Hey, that's your fault. Yeah, I went to the store that day. You know, so like <laughs> it's kind of that thing. So, um, you know, with Bodies in particular, very, very big scene from season five. One of the biggest scenes that Damson Idris has done, you know, where he does the the monologue, you know, and here we are, you and your little motherfucking minions and all about you plotted on Tiana, Khadijah, him, 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 her, her bodies. But like really big moment in the season. And when I agreed, when I said to myself that I was going to do this, the moment that that scene happened, I was like, oh, that's a record right there. <laughs> you know, my inspiration always comes from, books and movies and and tv shows and culture and things around me and i'll see something i may see an ad in the middle of the street while i'm driving and that could inspire a song you know so the moment that that little scene happened where he goes bodies 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 i was like yeah that's a record and the record's called bodies <laughs> and like it kind of just wrote itself for me i was like yep that's a record right there and just talking about everything that he had done and like you said, trying to justify it within himself and not being able to. And like I said, at the end of the song, you know, residue on my hands, praying at God's speed and trying to reason all these bodies laying behind me. You know, like when you're in that world, imagine praying to God, putting your hands together to pray to God, but you got Coke residue on your hands. Mm. You know, there's all these layers of the poetic side of it. Like that's outside of being an MC, you know, that's the, the poetry of it. You know, residue on my hands, praying at God's speed, you know, like trying to reason all these bodies laying behind me. Like I'm headed forward. I'm headed in this direction to get as much as I can and be as successful as I can and to even leave this life. But in my trail is a ton of bodies laying behind me, you know? So that's, that's that part, you know? Um, yeah. And, and just talking about all the, all the people, oh man, there's a lot of spoilers, man. <laughs> um, you know, the second verse talking about Kevin and, you know, I don't know, if, <laughs> man, you got to see it, man, because if I explain more of it, you're going to be like, oh, I knew that. When, when you watch the show, you're going to be like, oh, I already knew that because Sky told me that last month. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. But you, you tell me what you want me to get into. Right. But I think but, but I have to say, like, I, I think, you know, in a way. So I'm I've never seen the show. And, we, you know, and, and that's not for any good reason, but I've just never seen it. And um, 
I think, in, though, in a way, though, it, it's interesting if you listen to the album first and then watch the show because then you're like, oh, that's what Sky was referencing. You know, like it's kind of like Genius.com, right. but on you know on TV, right? Like, oh, right. now this now now the album makes a little more sense, and actually, this the show makes sense as it'll well. It'll make so, a ton of sense. So, oh my gosh, the layers in it, like it it, it it'll go to a, a twenty more levels. But at the same time, I think to your point, like you don't have to it if if. You know, if 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 no one knew that Franklin uh, Saint was a character from this show, right, and you were just doing it straight as, let's say, you know, quote unquote drug rap, then it 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 does what it's supposed to do. It does what you wanted it to do, right? You wanted it not to show the 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 great the glorification side of drug the drug game. It's it it does what right. you you needed to do. Um, so no, no. So I so I, I think I think you could appreciate that this on this this album on on many levels, right? Whether you've seen it or not, right. Um, uh, I have to ask you about eminent domain. I know, like we've talked about in the past, uh, the importance of the horn for you, and 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 it's the first track on the album, and it is the table set of the album. Uh, and I feel like that horn really helps helps set the table. What's the importance of the horn in that track for you? You know me. I'm a I'm, I'm a horn guy. Yeah, I'm a trumpet guy in particular. And um, yeah, I, I that's just my regular world. You know, that's that's. Yo, throw some trumpet on that. Yo, throw some trumpet on that. You know, like that—that's how I feel. I'd walk around rhyming to the trumpet, like you know, uh, Jack Spade, and and uh, and I'm gonna get you sucker yeah. if I could. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would just walk around with that as my theme music. Like, yo, who are all these guys walking around with you? Oh, this is my theme music. It's a bunch <laughs> of trumpet players. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how I feel about the trumpet. You know, but um, beat wise, it's funny. I was watching. Um, I was watching Winning Time, another great show. I was watching Winning Time, and it was the first episode, and it was um, a record that played in it. I forget the name of the song, and I actually have it too. But it's... And I was like, yo, that's nuts. And I knew it was a song from the 70s, 80s, you know, just being placed in the show. And I hit Joe from the other guys who are the producers of the, the album, who I, I have to throw as much light on them as possible because they are 50% of this thing. And, um, you know, they, they killed it. And I hit Joe. I was like, yo, this record that they just played in winning time, yo, I need something like that. And he was like, I think I got something like that. And like 15 minutes later, he sent me something that he had made, you know, a couple months prior and it was eminent domain. And I was like, Oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And the way I make my albums, I say this all the time when, when you and I talk, you know, when I hear beats, I know what's going to be the first beat. I know what's going to be the last beat. I know just off the sound of the beat where it's supposed to sit on the album before I write a single word to it. So when I heard that beat, I hadn't written or recorded anything yet for the project. And when I heard that beat, I said, Oh, that's how the album is going to start. As soon as I heard the beat, I was like, yeah, that's, that's the intro for the album. That's how the album has to start. And that's the producer side of me kicking in, the kind of Quincy Jones, Pete Diddy side of me that I've been blessed to have where I can help put an album together, even if we're not talking about the rhymes. I can sit there and tell you, hey, put this, put this record first, put this record third, put this record last. Like, I can do that, you know. So even before I wrote one song, when I heard that beat, I was like, yeah, that's the opener. That's how the album's going to start. Mm. Um, you know, so for for those who haven't seen the show, uh, the idea that uh, of Snowfall is Franklin Saint goes from you know they say convenience store clerk to a notorious uh, drug kingpin in South Central LA. 
Uh, yep. And then uh, when I was reading up more on it, there's a quote from it, and it says, "quote I, from him, I tried to do this shit the right way, went to the other side, know what I learned. The game is rigged. It ain't made for people like us. So you know what? I'm rewriting the rules. Rewriting the rules. Um, so I want to ask a question about your, yourself. You're you're not just an MZ. You're an artist. You 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 you, you producer, right? You you you're you're also a restaurant owner, right? Uh, yeah. How, if at all, have you had to?" kind of rewrite the rules to get to where you are today. I had to super rewrite the rules because, you know, a lot of people, when I was growing up, a lot of people looked at me as, oh, he's going to be the next guy, right? Like he's going to be the guy. He's, he's so dope. He's going to be the guy. If you ask anybody I went to school with, you know, I was the best rapper in every school I ever went to elementary, middle, high, uh, middle school, high school, college. I don't care where I was at. I was the best rapper. Any neighborhood I ever lived in, I was the best rapper. So like, and any, no, this is not a globe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can ask anybody I grew up with. They'll be like, yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah. So like, um, you know, everybody looked at me as, yo, he's, he's it. Like sky's going to be, you know, out of here. And we're in a game where your talent has nothing to do with if you're able to be out of here or not. So, I've, I'm blessed to have been successful as I've been. I look at all my wins as me being hugely successful. You know, do I have 200 million in the bank and, you know, 10 Grammys on, on my, you know, mantle? No, I don't, you know, not at all. So some people may look at that as, man, they didn't get where they needed or wanted to be. I look at it like things that I've done in my career. I have the legends, whether it's Chuck D or whoever else, showing me tons and tons of love and throwing me flowers the way I throw them to them. You know, I have not had to work a nine to five in 16 years because I solely live off of my music, you know, whether it's selling records, going on tour all over the world, ghostwriting for people, licensing music, movies, TV shows, video games, creating stuff specifically for TV shows, movies, and video games. Like I've been able to build a for real career put my name in the legacy books, put my name in the concrete where you can't just rub it out like sand and be looked at as one of the dopest artists of my era, one of the dopest lyricists. Some people, you go online and people are saying one of the dopest ever, the writer of all writers, the best ever, and top five ever, top 10 ever. So if I'm able to do all of those things, make classic albums after classic albums, according to you guys, you know, this isn't even me gloating, it's according to you guys, people like yourself, and build a career where my son wants for nothing. My family wants for nothing. I made it, you know? So, but going back to what you said, rewriting the rules was figuring out how to make it without 200 million in the bank, without 10 Grammys on the mantle, without the cover of Billboard magazine, right? Without being on the radio 80 times a day in every market across the world, you know? Like, because you haven't hit those things doesn't mean you didn't make it, you know? So I tell people that all the time. I tell up and coming MCs and producers, I tell them that story all the time. Please don't think because you're not Drake that you didn't make it. Drake is wonderful and Drake's bank account is wonderful. You know what I mean? And we all would like to be in that position. But just because you aren't or because you aren't yet doesn't mean that you didn't make it. You know, if you can live off of your art and your craft and your passion without having to get a nine to five or do something you don't want to do or struggle and, you know, eat tuna fish and cereal every day for, for lunch and dinner and breakfast, then you made it, you know, like you made it, man. And I rewrote the rules by making it on my own terms. You know, my thing was, I know I could be out of here. I could do this, this, and this, 
there's certain things I'm willing to do and there's certain things I'm not willing to do. You know, a funny story, and I was talking to Will Ketchum about this last night, a funny story. I was telling somebody when I when I first decided to do this, I was talking to somebody, um, a friend of mine. This was very early on. Like I hadn't even started the album. I didn't have one beat. I just, in my mind, I said, I'm going to do this Franklin Sane album. And I was talking to a friend of mine and they were like, man, that's crazy. That's going to be nuts. And they were like, yo, is this, is this finally the moment where you, you break your code? And I was like, what are you talking about? And they said, where you use the N word. Like if you're, if you're Franklin, you know, Franklin uses the N word left and right as, as intelligent and brilliant as he is. And the kid who, you know, could have went to college and graduated with a double masters, you know, and you'll see when you watch the show, how bright he is. He's somebody who still is from South central and uses the N word all day and da 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 da. And so they were like, yo, are you going to break your code? And I was like, not at all, not at all. You know what I mean? Like, and watch how I still am able to pull this off and it be everything it needs to be and everything I want it to be. And then some without breaking my code. So that's an example of like, doing things on my terms and like being me, you know, like I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that just because if I don't want to do it, I'm not doing it. I'm not going against my own morals and grains, whether it's something small or something large. So that's just an example of that. Me being like rewriting the rules, you know, where that was a dope question. You know, one of my people's asked me, you know, they were like, yo, are you going to break the code now? Like, this is the time when you would do it. Cause if you did it now, everyone would understand. They would get it. They'd be like, yeah, I get why he decided to do it now even though he's been such a big proponent for not doing it. And I was like, I'm definitely not doing it. It didn't even cross my mind. Definitely not doing it. I don't need to do it. To, I don't need to do it to be able to write this the way I need to write it and for it to come off the way it needs to come off, you know? It was never a conversation you had with yourself. Not at all. Wasn't a thought. Wasn't a thought. And didn't become one when it was presented to me. Nice. It wasn't like, hmm, maybe I should. None of that. It was right. like, no, nah, I don't have to do that. Like, the first record people ever heard from me on a kind of a national scale right people that were outside of my neighborhood you know what i mean like yeah. was the bodega right first record the bodega standing out in front of the two four with a bunch of walking pharmacies for you and yours pick up time scuff tims with a kick up grind you're playing jacks with the scraps come and pick up your dimes this is everyday people like arrested development the way so lethal you would swear it was heaven sent but god don't bless this corner the first record i ever talked about was talking about these same things right just from my perspective, as opposed to Franklin Saint, me becoming Franklin Saint lets me go deeper into it because now I can really talk about it as if I lived it because I know, you know, it's, it's an, another example I like to give people and then I'm going to continue to give people with this project. You look at Rich Paul as a perfect example, LeBron James agent, agent to a lot of, you know, top NBA players. Rich Paul knows basketball. If he sees a kid, working on his handle, he knows that kid can make it. Let me give him my card. Or, nah, that kid needs some work or needs some time or he's not ready. He can look at a player and be like, yeah, he's it. He can look at a player and be like, this is the perfect team for him because of what he does and the need that he fills. He knows basketball in and out. Rich Paul has never put on a jersey in his life. Right. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it doesn't mean he doesn't know basketball. Why? Because he's with these guys every day. How could he not know basketball? So it's the same thing with me, whereas I never had to put on a jersey and shorts and sneakers and go out there and play ball. My friends had their uniform on every day. How do I not understand this world? I was with these guys every day, rubbing shoulders. 
when the cops pulled over and, and we were sitting on the park bench, my pockets was clean. Maybe they pockets was dirty, but the cops came and, and checked all of us. I was right there, you know? So like, how do I not understand or know this world? You know, I'm Rich Paul in this, you know what I mean? Like, just because I never put the uniform on doesn't mean I don't understand the game. But at the same time, I've always been the type of MC and the type of artist and the type of writer where I'm only going to talk about what I know and talk about what I've lived and be honest. Right. Whether it's me having a regular job, working at Kinko's and working at nine to five, I've never been ashamed of that. I've never hid that. Whether me growing up in two different houses with three parents and having my dad in my life just as much as my mom and my other mom, I never hid that. Never was ashamed of that. Just the same as me saying, man, we was in the building and we was my, I'm sitting there playing you know, Madden or playing NBA Live 95 and my man's is bagging up. Yeah, or I'm never ashamed of that. Like that, I just talk about what really happened. Mm. So I, I, I would not be able to make a project like this if it wasn't based on a Franklin Saint because I'm not going to sit there and talk about something as if it was my life. I'm not going to do that. You know, I wouldn't be able to look in the mirror. You know what I mean? That, that's the integrity that I have. So the way to do this and go all the way with it was to become a Franklin Saint so that now it's a concept album and I can still get this moral across, still get this MO across, still get this story out right and still put out kind of this red flag warning and do it where it's going to resonate. It was for me to embody a Franklin Saint. And I, and I think, you know, uh, what you're able to do with becoming Franklin Saint is that you're able to highlight the, uh, the internal struggle, the contradictions that a lot of these guys have. Absolutely. Uh, which makes like, and, and, I, and I'm going to reference a few of them, um, kind of n not just, and, and you're, and you're also able to highlight how smart he is by what he references and, you know, some like what, what he knows is coming up around him and what, what he references, uh, when you, when you reference some of your, your, your rhymes. And I, I want to go to, uh, and, you know, as I always, I always apologize to you in advance if I'm butchering your lyrics, but here they go. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the lyrics are, they stole my berate. So pardon me if I apply for, Pardon me if I call for applause for living through the death of my history. Reparations every time I get key. My 40 and a mule is when I load 40 and a mule. For every member they took from us, cordially and confused. Panther in my hood, shameful of my business, but the way business been going, shaming too expensive. And these are, once again, incredible lyrics from uh, the Panther and Powder track. So, of course, can you kind of talk about these lyrics and talk about kind of that struggle that um, Franklin's going through in the, at this moment? Yeah, if you know the, the story, uh, Franklin's dad, Alton, was a Black Panther. And Franklin grew up as a kid in a Black Panther house. It's a part of why he's so intelligent and straightforward and such a, a broad thinker. Um, he grew up a Black Panther kid, you know. So how does a kid who grew up as a Black Panther become the reason why the Black neighborhood is crumbling and Black America is crumbling by introducing crack cocaine to the world? Not cocaine, but crack cocaine to the inner city world. How does that happen? So that's what that record is about, where I'm exploring that, you know, mm -hmm. I'm exploring what happened there. This kid grew up as a Black Panther under the rules and morals and guidelines of people who fought against stuff like this, people who looked at these types of guys as scum. How does that kid become one of those scum guys, in a sense, while still being bright, intelligent, and having his pantherisms, for lack of a better term, in him, right? So... You know, and then when I said they stole my beret, you know, the Black Panthers wore the beret. They stole my beret. So part of me, if I call for applause, like, listen, they took all this from us. Right. They shut down the Black Panthers. They looked at us as this radical group who was doing wrong when they would. My, my people was doing right. 
they stole my beret. So pardon me if now I want you to applaud me for jumping over that hurdle and becoming a millionaire, you know, like my rules, you know, and this is reparations, right? Like every time I get a kilo, that's reparations, you know, like that's what he's saying in there where he's like, if I pause for the death of my history, meaning the death of the Black Panthers, pardon me if I call for applause for living through the death of my history and then living death. There's a lot of those layers, man. It's it's so much. It's ridiculous. But um, for living through the death of my history, reparations every time I get a key. My 40 in a mule was when they load 40 in a mule, you know. So if you know anything about the game, you know, a mule is, you know, way, the way you get something from one place to another, very yeah. hidden. It's usually a person, but when I'm saying loading 40 in a mule, meaning like the trunk, you right. know, like putting 40 keys in the trunk. So my 40 in a mule, when they oh, when they told us, yo, man, you guys are going to get 40 acres in a mule, my 40 in a mule is when they load 40 keys in the mule, in the trunk, for every member they took from us, cordially confused, like for every Black Panther that they killed, for every Fred Hampton, for every Bobby Hutton, for all of them. This is my reparations. Every time you you give me a key and let me go out here and get this money that you said I couldn't get. But the irony is you getting this money by bringing down your own people. So that's, you know, that's just the ending of, of Panthers and, and Powder. And I imagine, you know, you, you have the line, um, fully loaded clips, no bargaining, admiring the beauty within the, all of it. It seems like that's a moment where I, I, I get the sense he's not, Franklin is not finding beauty in the death around him. It's more about the beauty of getting this money absolutely right absolutely um and also of course it brings me to when i heard that line it brought me to the track of you know of the one of the tracks i love from you is a uh, beautiful decay so i just kind of like right connected absolutely to, uh, yeah it's you know and and even the part you know with my fist up in the air same shade as little sambo reach for my umbrella i was raised to let a cannon blow pancakes for everyone who need to get their plate filled Pistols in the kitchen for whoever feel away still. So that four bars right there, if you know the story of Little Black Sambo, which I've referenced in the past with a song called Black Sambo. Mm -hmm. If you know the story of Little Black Sambo, the little black boy, you know, and it's a children's fairy tale thing. But the little black boy who the tigers uh, approached him and they took his umbrella, they took his shoes, they took everything. And then he was able to uh, they they wound up killing each other. And it's a children's story. So they turn into butter. He takes the butter, the, the tiger's turning the butter. He takes the butter home and his mom makes pancakes out of them, right? So now where it comes into play with the song, my fist up in the air, same shade as Little Sambo because Little Sambo was really dark-skinned and, and Franklin is dark-skinned. So with my fist up in the air, the same shade as Little Sambo, reach for my umbrella, I was raised to let a cannon blow, meaning if you, Little Sambo had an umbrella in the story, if you reach for my umbrella, I was raised to fight back and protect mine and shoot you and kill you, right? Like, if you come for me, me being a panther, I was raised to protect myself with this gun. That was the thing that the panthers was about. Like, yo, we protect ourselves, we protect ours. So, reach for my umbrella, I was raised to let a cannon blow, pancakes for everyone who needs to get their plate filled. The Black Panthers did the free breakfast and the free lunch programs, Black Sambo, the whole story led back to him getting home because he just wanted to get pancakes from his mother. So pancakes for everyone who needs to get their plate filled. Pistols in the kitchen for whoever feel away still. If you know anything about the Black Panthers, when they had those brief free breakfast and free lunch programs, they had weapons in the kitchen because they would get raided by the feds. They would get raided by the police. So even though they were feeding little kids, nine, 10 years old, all throughout the neighborhood in Oakland and L.A. and New York and all that, 
they had weapons in those kitchens and in those those programs because at any moment it could happen. So, you know, pancakes for anyone who needs to get their plate filled, pistols in the kitchen for whoever feel away still. So that four bars is using Little Black Sambo as a direct metaphor with Franklin Saint and the similarities with them, a, a, a children's fairy tale with Franklin's quote unquote real life from the Black Panthers with the, the free breakfast and the free lunch, the actual pancakes, the weapons, and, you know, so it's, again, it's just another triple, even more layered part of the way I do what I do. Nice. Um, you know, the balancing act is, is just another beautiful track with the, the violin and the singing and the soulful singing that you get to hear. When you first heard that beat, kind of what, where did your pen go? It felt celebratory. It felt braggadocious. Um, it felt like, you know, uh, all right, this whole time we've been talking about the lows. We're going to talk about the highs a little bit, right? Because if you know the show, it is not a sad the whole time show there are moments where i mean franklin by the, by season five he owns buildings plural right. he owns developments he owns apartment buildings he owns condos he, he got into real estate heavy at the behest of his mother sissy you know she pushed him into real estate and he jumped on it you know i mean he is literally a landlord for a ton of buildings all throughout la you know so yeah. like there's those you know it, it's it's showing he has a moment where he goes, yo, the good thing about it is we got more money than God. Right. You know, and that's why I said that on Brick by Brick. The funny thing about it, you got more money than God. Where he tells Diamond and Dallas, and you'll get all this, he goes, well, yeah, that's how y'all feel, but we got more money than God. So what's up? Come mm -hmm. get with us. You know, so if you're going to do this, you got to you gotta cover all the bases. So that was more of just, that's why I opened it like, yeah, this is a, this is a vibe. This is a feeling I can vibe with right here. Like, and he starts talking about what he's accomplished and achieved. I got enough money to bail Jerry Buss out of debt, you know, from the Lakers. But he's still talking about the things that happened, how when he first started out, his first kill, the gun was too heavy and his hand was shaking. You know, um, first time hand shaking, the weight was unusual, but I caught me a shooter's groove. You know what shooting do. Now I'm the menace who do business in Roman numerals because he's so smart. He could do, you know what I mean? Like, so. It goes from I was the kid whose hand was shaking when I had to shoot somebody. Now I'm a menace. Like you get to season four, season five, they literally just walk up on you, bang, one shot like a sniper, and you out. He became a menace. He started out scared and hand shaking and missing at point blank range. Now he's a menace. Look what he became. Look what he grew up into. He's a menace where he could pull his gun out, one shot, point blank, headshot, kill, done. You know, so it still talks about what happened, even though he's kind of glowing a little bit about where he's been and what he's done and all that type of stuff. So, you know, that when I heard it, it felt cool, you know, Friday night in the, the Fox Ford, you know, which was the car that he drove, the Fox Ford, the Fox Body Mustang. You know, it felt like, yeah, I got money. I'm doing good. It felt like that when I heard it. Mm -hmm. uh, Apologies in Order is a, another a terrific track, and it's, you know, it's one verse with a hook. And, and once again, the horn really speaks to you know to to us as listeners, and I know it speaks to you as well. Um, even though you say it's a you know at the top of it, you say it's a letter via tape. It really feels like a conversation he's having, but like you know one sided. I could you know kind of envisioning that he's outside her door, just kind of talking. Uh, yeah, especially when Do you, you go, know the story of what happened to her. No, I don't. Okay, well, this is a this is a spoiler. Okay. But, it, but you know, you if we cover it. Uh, no, I mean, but that's like there's a, the the line where you go. 
um, you know, screaming, let me in, let me vent. I don't do this much. Just just let me vent. Just imagining that conversation that's happening. Uh, yeah, can you just talk about this track right. and kind of, um, you know, what's the importance of it? Why, and, and how does it, like, it comes off very much like a freestyle, but I imagine it's not a freestyle. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to go. I just wanted to talk for a long time. Um, he's apologizing to Melody. Melody is his next door neighbor who he grew up with, who's maybe a year younger than him beautiful girl the, the the most beautiful girl in the neighborhood and he's had a crush on her his whole life and she's had a crush on him her whole life and there's moments throughout the series where they're dating there's not dating you know like that's my girl but you know puppy love girl next door type thing and they hook up you know there's a ton of sex scenes where they're together so they've hooked up multiple times and without giving you too much franklin kind of ruins her life and mm. um this was a beautiful girl who was supposed to go to Spelman, right? And father is a cop. She's supposed to go to Spelman. Everything is done. And Franklin ruins her life, you know? And you'll get to that when you see it. So the record, Apologies in Order, that entire song, he's apologizing to Melody for ruining her life. And that's why I say, you know, I just hope you get the tape and time to play it in your box. Because by the time you get to this point in the album, it's the point in the show where, you know, Melody doesn't live in L.A. anymore. She's moved. I'm trying to explain this without giving you too much. Right, right, definitely. Um, the, the the listeners probably have seen it, but I know you're still getting it together. Um, at this point in the show, Melody's moved. So that's why I say I hope you get the tape in time to play it in your box and all that because it's the 80s. So, you know, put the tape in, right. in your boom box, you know. So um, it's like if he recorded this and mailed her a tape as an apology to her, you right. know, so... And as the series goes on, Franklin has completely ruined her life. And this was a girl he's known since he was seven years old, eight years old. That's why I said 75, jumping through your window all the time. Because in the show, Franklin never walks in the front door of her house. He always jumps through the side window because that's how close they are. They mm -hmm. live right next door to each other. He just walks through his yard to hers and jumps in the window of her bedroom and just hangs out with her. And um, so if you go to 75, that means he was a little kid. That means he may have been nine ten years old at that point so that's why i said 75 jumping through your window all the time meaning 1975 so i'm in the song i'm going back we in the yeah. 80s but i'm telling her man ever since 75 i've been jumping through your window you know like i've been hanging out with you every day you know and um and he he literally ruins her life and you'll you'll see when you get to the show so you know we earlier we talked about the importance of the horn right to sky zoo but uh and i you know you hear the horn again on apologies in order so I have to know, what's the importance of the horn to Franklin, though? The horn is triumphant, but at the same time, melancholy. And I think that sums him up to a T. Triumphant, but also melancholy. These moments where he's happy, celebrating, celebrated, but also these other moments where he's in his own head because he knows the world that he's created outside of it. You know, and the trumpet can be triumphant and celebratory, but then the trumpet can also be very melancholy and, and, and tell a story that kind of hits you in a specific space. And I think that does summarize Franklin. Hmm. Uh, you know, we also talk about, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the constant internal struggle that Franklin has. Uh, you know, you hear it throughout this project and you obviously see it throughout the, the, the seasons. Um and I feel like you really capture that. For me, you really capture that on the purity. And, um, you know, it, it's that one moment where he's 
talking to the father who is playing with his kids. And at the same time, he's making sure the kids don't know who right. he really is. And it, it, it just, I think very, very, very just, just powerful moment. Um, do you think Franklin, if he had a chance to do it all over again, he would? That's a great question. I don't think so. I don't think so. Hmm. I think he would go and use his intelligence the other way. I'm very glad that you brought up purity because I was going to bring it up in actual question. So you picked up on the father and the two sons. Did you pick up who that was? No. So that's not a real situation that happens in the show. That's something I created because the show takes place like at that point in the album is 1986. It's a couple years later. It's 1986. The father, son, and other son are Nipsey Hussle and his brother and father. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because Nipsey was born in 85. Black Sam, his older brother, was born in 82. So if it's 86, Sam is four, Nipsey is one. So that's why I said on it, you know, Sammy was maybe four, Ermy is maybe one. Mm. So Franklin is from Crenshaw, South Central. Nipsey is Crenshaw South Central. So when I was writing the album, I came up with this idea of what if there was a moment where Franklin met Nipsey and his father and his brother, but obviously it's 86. So Nipsey and his brother are toddlers. Mm. But what if he met them and what would happen with that? Because in my mind, Franklin is a fictional character, but he represents real people that really existed and things that really happened in the eighties, whether it's LA, New York, Chicago, DC, whatever. And I said to myself, the real life Franklins are the reason Nipsey is not here anymore. As much as we love Franklin and I made a whole album embodying him and, and stepping into his shoes, Franklin is a villain. And right. I think that's the beauty of the show because it makes you fall in love with Franklin. You want to see Franklin win. You want to see Franklin survive. You want to see Franklin make it. You want to see Franklin get away with everything. Everything he's getting away with is killing the black community. Right. right? So it's rooting for the bad guy without even knowing you are. So I came up with this idea of the real life Franklins, the guys who were put in those positions and had no choice, but then they turned around and destroyed whole communities, whether they realized it or not, and destroyed generations moving forward. Those guys are the reasons Nipsey isn't here anymore to use his genius and create the things that he was creating and do the things that he was doing, because it's a domino effect of the way that neighborhood and all the other neighborhoods like it, be it L.A. or New York or anywhere else, were built up in the 80s. So, and that's a whole nother discussion of that was put in our hands and, and, and we were pushed into that. But then we turned around and, and, you know, did something with it. But it also became a driving force of what was our downfall in a sense or part of our downfall. So long story short, I said to myself, what would happen if Franklin met Nipsey and his family? And Nipsey was a baby. And Franklin realizes, man, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I feel bad about the world that I've created for this little kid right here. And it turns out that world that he created killed him. So when I start the verse, I said on the corner of Crenshaw and Slauson with his kids. Crenshaw and Slauson is where Nipsey was from and where he had his store at. That's also the corner that he got killed on. That's also the same neighborhood Franklin is from because Franklin's from South Central. Do you think they know? Do you think someone like Franklin knows what he's doing to the future of the black community while he's doing it? Or does he, well, there's moments where he's told it in the show. There's moments where people around him, older people. And again, I don't want to give you too much people listening are going to know what I'm alluding to, but being that you're still tapping into the show, there are moments where 
people are straight up telling him, you know, from his father to Andre next door, people are straight up telling him, yo, look at what you're doing. You are killing our people, bro. Like those moments are said in the show. So he, he's definitely aware and he's too intelligent not to be aware. Right. You know, he's when you watch the show, he literally is a boy genius. He's way too intelligent not to know. I, I do also find it. I say, I also find it interesting that, um, so on, on the very last thing we hear of the, on the, on this album is, uh, uh, Ronald Reagan addressing the nation, right. Mm-hmm. On his campaign against drug abuse and about the crack epidemic. And, you know, you know, history could argue how, 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 uh, he has argued that Reagan's drug policies also helped destroy the black community. Absolutely. As, as he was behind all of that. I put that there as a parody. I put that there as a, the audacity of this guy to sit there and talk about, you know, drugs have made their way into our country illegally. Nah, you brought him in, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I put that there as a parody. Right. And that, and actually that, that, that was the original way I, I, I originally worded the question, the question, uh, what was the, what's the irony of having him as the last voice on this album? Yeah, that that was all on purpose. You know, all those skits, you know, the Just Say No commercials, because that was huge in the 80s. I remember being a little kid and every time you watched cartoons or watched, you know, uh, you know, Full House or whatever, it was Just Say No commercials. You know what I mean? Like, and they were everywhere. And so we're in the 80s on this album. So I had to bring that back. I wanted to really put you in that time. And when you're listening to it, you're like, oh, wow, I remember that commercial. I remember that commercial just when you hear it. And then I wanted to end it with Reagan talking about just say no, the war on drugs and America and all that type of stuff. Because it's like, dude, you did this, man. And and, and that's the beauty of the show as well. That it's, it's about that. It's about the fact that America brought these drugs into our communities, gave them to the black community and said, hey, go wild. Bring us the money back so we can get these guns and we can fund this war. And that we can also continue to control y'all and take over your communities and be a puppet master. And we bought right into it because as a community that didn't have anything, this was a way for us to have something. So we're not thinking about all that other stuff. We're thinking, yo, man, listen, I don't have anything. And now I have something, you know. So what's the? I guess what I don't want to say what's the answer, but well, you know what? Like it, it, it's hard not to. It, it, it's obviously hard to. It's 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 easy to make uh, Franklin the villain, right? But then it's also hard not to sympathize with him because, to your point, destroying the Black Panthers, Reagan bringing drugs in the community. You're like, all right, exactly. well, he's, he's just he's he's kind of working with what he's given, you know? I mean, yep. to to make his lives better. So what is I don't know what is what is, what's how do you fight back to that? How do you when when you feel like things are stacked up against you in that way? I mean the United States government, you know? Yeah, what it's, is, it's, what? it's honestly kind of a losing battle, which is why the war on drugs will never be won. Right, will right. never be won because it was put here in our hands, in our communities, and we were told to just go wild and make better of yourselves. And we did the same thing if they would have given us opportunity education wise, or if they would have given us opportunity financial literacy wise, we would have been able to take that and run wild. They gave us drugs and said, go wild with it, whether it was heroin, whether it was coke, whatever it may have been. They said, go wild with it. And you're creating something that it's such a domino effect. There's way too many dominoes to pick up and straighten out after 30, 40, 50 years of that. You know, there's way too many. It's like a tree. You know, they say the bigger a tree is, that means the deeper the root is. And this tree is so wide 
and so big because it's so deep in the ground. You cannot pull this tree out. You cannot dig this tree out. And it's something I alluded to um, on Purity when I talk about Teddy. Teddy is the plug who is a CIA agent who is the person Franklin works with and then becomes working for when he doesn't realize it. And then he does realize it and he learns what this is all about, but now he's stuck and he has no choice. And I said, you know, I, um, I would never look for love from a plug who kidnapped me where anytime that he showed love felt trigger happy, the quickest on the draw to get me out, to get me more, to get me rooted deeper in like the trees we was hanging off. So I go all the way back to how this thing started using that as a metaphor, but also in the, in the literal sense of, you know, this is how this thing started. You know, it started with us coming from, you know, coming from Africa on boats. It started with us being hung on trees, et cetera, et cetera. And Teddy just wants to make sure that I'm continuously in the game because I'm making him so much money. I mean, Franklin has made Teddy millions, mm. millions to fund this war. It's almost like he funded the war by himself. You know, he's made Teddy millions. And uh, you'll see, you'll see when you watch. And, um, you know, it's, Teddy wants to make sure Franklin is around and alive and safe because he knows this is the cash cow right here. This kid is smart. He's intelligent. He's not in the street wilding out where we have to worry about him blowing the cover of who I am or anything like that or him not being able to handle himself. Yeah, there's moments and you'll see there's moments where Franklin slips here and there because no one's perfect. But, you know, Teddy looks at Franklin like this kid's got it. So I got to make sure he's good by all means, because he is the reason we are able to fund this war. So I never look for love from a plug who kidnapped me where any time that he showed love felt trigger happy, the quickest on the draw to get me out, to get me more, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. I know this, you know, uh, the mind of a saying is about, it's from the perspective of Franklin, Franklin Saint, but is there a lyric in here that is straight from a sky zoo perspective no just the way it's written it's written from a sky zoo perspective it's written the way i would write any of my other rhymes from the doubles and the triples and you know the poetic side and and the the, the meanings and the layers but no nah, it's it's all it's all frankly the mind of a saint produced and scored entirely by the other guys uh written and emceed by incredible lyricist sky zoo sky zoo thank you so much for being on library rap the hip-hop interviews with tim Einico, man i appreciate it thank you thank you man hey dig into the show and then come back and you're really gonna be like wow right. this guy is, is, a, is an animal <laughs> like because you'll see how it all ties together Got it working, and that's me and Claudia juggling bottle service. Keep it behind the curtains. Ain't a Lenny or a Ray Ray that can interrupt a payday. A bag will make you cut off your nose and try to save face. A bag will make your body your man without the melee. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. 
coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.